to The Atlas with your host, Emma Loggins and Jakai Nishkinson. Hello. Hey. How are things? These are good. That's, I, I like to hear it. So, so I've, I've just been sitting around, kind of hanging around Atlanta. I'm getting ready to move, so it's been a little crazy. But, oh, wow. But, but you've been having a different sort of adventure that I've been very <laughs> jealous of watching, following <laughs> along with on Facebook. Yeah, it's been a crazy week. I uh, I was out at South by Southwest in Austin for five days and got to do a little bit of everything except music. Uh, music actually started the day after I left, but um, got to do a bunch of TV stuff, film stuff, tech stuff. Um, got to be on a panel with uh, Choose ATL. They had a, uh, a house, a kind of an Atlanta takeover at this place called Speakeasy on Fifth Street. And I did a panel with them about the rise of geek culture and kind of what started the the kind of craze of it that we've seen lately. Are we going to get burnt out with there being too many superhero movies? Um, you know, all, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, um, God, where even to start? Yeah, man? I know. It's just I was such a say, blur. So a lot. You did a lot. I did a lot. <laughs> um, I well, did what, a lot. Would, what would you say from here? I mean, like looking back, it sounds like there were a lot of highlights. What What is like... What was the biggest moment of like, holy cow, is this really what's happening right now? Was there any of those? Uh, there were two moments that were kind of crazy for me. Uh, one of them was just like a total nerd moment. I <laughs> got invited to an event with um, FYI Network and they had a guy, Michael Breach, really, really cool guy that actually does coffee selfies. And he draws your face with a bamboo stick and a cup of coffee with like the, you know, how people do like the foam designs and stuff. Yeah. Um, he did that of my face. <laughs> so that was really cool. It took him like five minutes. Um, you know, the photos are on everything I could possibly put them on. <laughs> um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It was amazing. And he uh, he travels around the world doing this. He's done it for royalty. He was like headed to Ukraine this week to do something, um, done a ton of celebrity stuff. It's amazing. If you look at his Instagram, it's uh, barista art. And it's just it's amazing. It's it's insane that someone can do that. And so you, you essentially had to drink your own face. Yeah, when it was all said and done. It was a little weird because once you start drinking your face, everything kind of shifts and you kind of look like you have a stroke going on, like the artwork. Um, but it was uh, it was so cool. It was such a, a such a surreal thing to kind of see. Um, that was like, I don't know, I'm such a huge coffee fanatic, too, that um, I just I, I don't know. So I loved it. That, that's a million dollar question, I guess. So it was it was beautiful and delightful what the guy did from the art. But was the cup of coffee good? People are dying to know. <laughs> it was. It was good. I hadn't had any coffee yet that morning. And that entire <laughs> event was really cool. Um, they had donuts from um, Voodoo Donuts, which is really, really great uh, donut place in Austin. And uh, Torchy's Tacos, which if you go to Austin, that's like the taco to get, like any of them. They, they do like a, a special taco of the month. And... For March, it's chicken and waffles. It's like a chicken and waffle taco. <laughs> nice. Little taste of Atlanta followed yeah, you to Austin. How fun. Exactly. Sad thing is they didn't have that one at the event, so I was really bummed out. <laughs> but they had all <laughs> these other ones, um, so I did get to have Torchy's tacos while I was there. Um, so that event was really cool. And then, uh, sorry, what, what was that event for? What was it? It was for what network? You mentioned it, but... FYI. Gotcha. So they have, um, they had a number of things that they were promoting there, and that was just uh, super, super cool. Um, there's going to be a write-up on it on Fanbolt here in the next couple of days. Nice. Um, but aside from that, 
I got to see the world premiere of Preacher, which is uh, Seth Rogen's new project that's going to be coming out on AMC. I believe it's May 22nd is the premiere date that they set. Um, It's amazing. And they made sure that I knew going into it that it wasn't like, you know, that the screening wasn't for review purposes. So I'm not really sure exactly how much I can say about what I saw. Gotcha. Um, Other than I loved it. And I think it's going to be the next big thing on AMC. And it was... What was really, really cool is I walked in and they gave me like this, you know, little ticket and told me to go sit in the reserved seating. And so I go in, I sit down like on, you know, on the aisle seat or whatever. And uh, then they bring in the entire cast and they all sit in the row in front of me. And I'm sitting directly behind Seth Rogen. (laughs) And I was like, this is amazing. Like for the whole movie, like or for the whole episode, I had like his laugh was my laugh track. And if you've ever heard Seth Rogen laugh, he has the most memorable laugh you've ever heard. And it was just surreal sitting behind him and watching it and then kind of like hearing him kind of, you know, whisper to the people sitting around him about, you know, certain scenes or I couldn't actually I couldn't hear what he was saying or what he was whispering. But um, it was just cool. I felt like I was in the cool kids club. No, that's awesome. And and be able to see somebody see it and kind of even with body language, you could probably get an idea of what he was taking note of or, or whatever. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. So that was really cool. Did he did he smell like weed, or, <laughs> or or was that not an issue? I feel like that's a fair question whenever you're talking about Seth. Rogen. Yes, it definitely um, is. <laughs> he did not at this uh, this particular event smell like weed. <laughs> oh, nice. I was I always picture him as like this fun loving weed smelling guy. I, yeah. I I've always had a soft spot for him. Fun fact: he's got a little tiny part in the original Anchorman as really? camera guy at the zoo. You can see him in like two scenes. He's just the guy holding the camera. Isn't that fun? That's cool. I guess that, God, I I didn't realize how long ago that was. Like, Was that before Freaks and Geeks? No, I think it was just after, because I remember uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Freaks and Geeks and let me borrow the DVD set. And then I did, it was like I binge watched it before that was a term, you know? Mm -hmm. And then then I was watching Anchorman. I'm like, hey, there's that guy from Freaks and Geeks. That's before he was Seth Rogen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was... um that was just a really cool event. I really liked that. Um, aside from that, Mr. Robot on USA Network. Have you watched that? I haven't. In fact, I saw you talking it up on, I think it was Facebook. And I was like, ah, that's one I hadn't. I I regret to admit it, but it's not even one I'd heard of. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, it's USA Network. And I feel like they haven't really had like a big hit in a while. Like I feel like Burn Notice was pretty big for them. And then yeah. they had a bunch of other kind of shows that just, you know, no one really heard about. Like they kind yeah. of were under the radar. And then Mr. Robot came along and it's got a very, a very devote fan base. People that love it, love it. And What's really cool is the people that love it are actually pretty big techies or, you know, web developers or coders or people somehow involved in the tech industry because all of the code they have on screen is actually accurate. Like it's all actual code. Uh, Yeah. um, Which is really cool. I went to um, a panel that they did and the panel was uh, like on screen accuracy of you know, all of the, uh, the code that they were showing. That was like the name, something like that was the name of the panel, but then they didn't really talk about that too much. It was more just about the show and how they shot it. And, um, they had just started, this is, this panel was on Sunday and they had just started filming season two 
um, the week prior. Gotcha. And on the panel, they had Sam Esmail, who was the series creator, and he was the producer for season one, and he had directed, I think, a few episodes of season one. Uh, but in season two, he's literally doing everything. And uh, so he was there to talk about that with um, the series star, Remy, and of course, Christian Slater was there as well. Right. And they were kind of talking about how they're shooting season two. And it's kind of really interesting because usually when you hear about TV shows, they they do it episode by episode. And you generally have, you know, seven to eight days per episode or mm. something like that. Uh, but with this show, what they're doing for season two is it seems really efficient. Um, they are just breaking it down by location and for each location, they're going to film all of the scenes for the entire season there. So, uh, like, in the first week, they shot for, you know, episodes, like, 1, 7, and 9 for, you know, all of these these certain locations. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool and different. No, You know, I, I actually, I just went on this crazy binge thing again with uh, the next season of Daredevil. And I found myself wondering, because it's, it's right, like, when you binge watch it, it feels like a long-form movie. And I found myself wondering if they would use certain locations for a week for the entire season. And so it's interesting to me that that's not the way they typically did it. So that's that's cool insight from him. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of kind of cool little fun things that they alluded to. And um, they said that season two was going to be more focused on kind of the law enforcement aspect and, and how that's going to play into all of the stuff that went down at the end of season one. Um, it's such an amazing show, though. If you don't watch it, you really need to. It's I would argue it's the best show on TV right now. It's just Ooh. the way it's shot. Yeah, yeah, I know. Big, big Powerful words. Powerful words, but Powerful I like words. it. I Powerful like it. words. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's brilliant. Well, you have convinced me to uh, give it a look. <laughs> um, let's see. Besides that, what else? Um, I did the press room for Outcast. Um, so I got to interview Robert Kirkman and um, Patrick Fugit for the Cinemax series. And I don't know when I can talk about that. I need to, to email them and see if I have an embargo with that. Um, but I will say, interviewing Patrick Fugit, if you don't know who he is, he was the uh, lead actor in Almost Famous, the, the boy ah. that traveled along with the band. So really, the only question I wanted to ask him was like, can we sing Tiny Dancer together? Oh, but no. <laughs> I didn't. I, I held it back. Um, but that was really cool. And um, Containment, which premieres on CW in April, um, had a pretty big installation out there as well. And of course, that filmed here in Atlanta. So it was kind of cool to, to see all the, the presence that Atlanta had out there. That was, uh, they were actually partnered up with uh, Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, Nerdist, and I think they had a few other things going on at that spot on Rainy Street. Hmm. Uh, but it was kind of detached a little bit from the convention and kind of a cool, fun thing you could do. If you are in Austin or, you know, you want to go to South by Southwest, but you don't want to pay for the tickets, the tickets are actually really expensive. I think it's like $2,000 for a gold pass for uh, access to film and interactive uh, which, if I didn't have a press pass, I certainly would not be paying those <laughs> right. prices. Yeah. But um, but it's cool because there's a lot of other events going on, um, including the containment event that you didn't have to have a pass to be able to get into. And even with uh, the, the Mr. Robot one, you didn't have to have a pass to get into that either. So there's so much going on in the city that you can kind of enjoy and explore without having to have a pass. Of course, any of the screenings or you know, films or concerts or anything like that, you would have to have a pass for. But 
thought that was pretty cool. Um, that is cool. I mean, is it? Is it? I've never been to South by Southwest. Is it? Would you consider it kind of like a like a hard working event, or kind of more, um, more a carnival for fun event? Like which which way did it strike you? You know, it was so overwhelming because I've never been to a convention that's had so many industries involved in it. Yeah. It's usually, you know, you go to Comic-Con and it's film and TV and there's not really a tech presence or a music Mm. presence. Um, So this was kind of, it was definitely overwhelming. And several people before I had left had actually told me, you know, don't schedule your day. Like make it to where you can float around and, you know, have all the things listed out that you want to see and, and do. But keep yourself super flexible just to be able to meet people and, you know, go where you need to go when you need to go there. Uh, so that wow. was the best, the best advice. And I just kind of floated around and I managed to see everything that, you know, I went out there with hopes to see, which I was, my Fitbit was insane. I had like <laughs> 15,000 steps a day. I'm surprised it wasn't more honestly, but, um, right. it was, it was definitely a lot to, to take in. And then even I, I kind of set up camp on Sunday and Monday at the, uh, choose ATL house and, that was cool to see all of the Atlanta startups have a presence there. They did like a, a startup hour and then they had like a panel with the the founders of Yik Yak. And then they had a bunch of local bands that they brought out there that performed. And uh, that was really cool. I mean, I'm kind of biased to my panel. I think my panel was the best one. Of course. But. Of course. That's, that's a word around town. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited with that one. Uh so when, when you were at the center of the world, like kind of because I guess while South by Southwest is going for a while, that's kind of the center of the entertainment universe. Um, yeah. I'm just curious if you got any insight in how the outside world is feeling about everything that's happening in Atlanta or, or Atlanta itself, to be honest with you, from, from an entertainment perspective. Um, I definitely think that Choose ATL really tried to highlight all of that. They did a panel, too, with the uh, the DP and one of the EPs for Walking Dead. And that was actually a really interesting panel because they were talking more about the kind of technical specifics of how they film the show and how they film on 16 millimeter film. And they had the uh, the guy that moderated the panel actually worked at the place that processed the film and then transferred the, the 16 millimeter over to digital and kind of talked mm. about that process a little bit and then how that's kind of affected the show and why they made that decision. And uh, so it was kind of not a typical Walking Dead panel because mm. uh, most of the ones you go to, you know, they're wanting to ask about the storylines. Right. You know, um, you know, more fan questions. And this was more technical questions. So it seemed like a lot of the people in the audience, I don't know if they were maybe looking to work in Georgia or maybe they were up and coming filmmakers. Mm. Uh, but everyone was really kind of interested in the the technical aspects of how they shoot the show and and, um, you know, what kind of freedom and flexibility they have with being able to shoot with 16 millimeter, you don't have to have like the the video villages and you don't have to have um, apparently all this additional kind of equipment that you would have to, if you were shooting digital. Right. So that was, yeah, that was really interesting to, uh, to hear them talk about. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, choose ATL definitely tried to highlight that aspect of it, but outside of that, um, I mean, that was right next to Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot was, one of the the bigger installations they brought in a full-size ferris wheel yeah. um Jeez. so it was it was hard to miss right <laughs> um very hard to miss um so i think from that viewpoint uh literally from that viewpoint if you were on the ferris wheel you saw all the cheese <laughs> atl stuff um nice. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it it definitely had a, a strong presence. Uh, I wish I, I wish it had been highlighted in a few more areas of the the convention, but I think I think the whole Choose ATL initiative really did a, a great job at representing everything that the the city and the state has to offer. That's really cool. Who who organized that movement? Curious. Uh, so what Choose ATL is is it's basically an initiative that the city has to bring people in to work and live here. So move their companies here, start their startups here, and basically just enjoy all that Atlanta has to offer. So if you go to their website, chooseatl.com, there's a bunch of featured Atlanta people on there and kind of, you know, what they love about the city and what they what they do and all that kind of fun stuff. And then there's featured companies and opportunities and resources for people that are, you know, looking to move here and what they're whether it may be looking for a job or looking for what all event wise the city has to offer. You can find a little bit of everything there. I like to hear that um, that Atlanta is starting to have a more intentional presence at things like this because i think um a friend of mine who who uh used to work on the show castle was out here and he, he does production work behind the scenes i can't remember his exact title which is pathetic but um he's right there with the equipment and he told me that he he did a shoot here uh in early 2013 and the crew that he was working with was uh not the caliber of what he was used to out in los angeles but he came out back out he was working on the show for uh, the sony network powers and he was saying, like, it's amazing how far it's come here. So it seems like the production capability is, is really growing up. So that's cool that, that they're being intentional about kind of creating that kind of campaign. And then so I have to ask a question also. So you're out there at this kind of epicenter of the world of entertainment. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that geek culture a little bit. <laughs> So um, my panel, which was the the rise of geek culture and comic book culture, was it was a really interesting panel, and we kind of dove into what kind of brought it into the mainstream and made it something that was cool. And everyone kind of had different different answers for that. And what I think it was, I think there's kind of two properties that are really responsible for for bringing that back into the mainstream. Uh, I think Lord of the Rings was a huge, huge step hmm. um, for kind of, I mean, because it's, it's just such a, I mean, geeky trilogy to start with. Um, and and people are so into it. And I think that was, and it was something that you didn't have to be a huge geek to go and see. And it was just such a huge epic movie right? Uh, that it really kind of, I think, kind of started people. Uh, thinking about geek culture and kind of, you know, nerding out about things. And I think on the girl side of things, what it was, was the OC and uh, the character Seth Cohen, who was played by Adam Brody. And he was kind of like the underdog of the series, but he was this really good looking kid who was totally in love with the popular girl. And he was all about comics and indie bands and, you know, even drawing comic comics uh he drew the girl that he was into uh summer he would draw her as a superhero and i think with that that show having such a huge female fan following that it really kind of made girls start thinking about oh what about that nerdy guy (laughs) you know maybe he's not so weird for liking comic books (laughs) um and there's it's actually really funny because i've i've said that a lot that i think that that show had uh, had a hand in it. And there's so many great articles online that kind of delve into it and in detail about why that character made such a huge impact on really the evolution of, of geek culture in the last decade. Uh, but that was, that was my answer for it. And then 
um, the topic of Big Bang Theory came up and of course the success of that series. And I, I always try to like defend geeks when this question comes up or when this comment comes up about how like, you know, oh, Big Bang Theory's done so much for geek culture. It's like, no, it really hasn't. Like what, I, I get the charm and appeal of uh, Big Bang Theory, but uh, it's it's not something that you're laughing with them. You're laughing at them. And I think that that's, that's two very different things. So if it was something where, you know, they were making nerdy references and we weren't laughing at all of them. That would be one thing, but that's what we're laughing at them about. We're laughing at them about their passions and about them geeking out over things. We're not, you know, laughing with them. Yeah, we're not in there with them. And, and you know, I, I agree. Here's the sad truth. I have this like weird aversion to sitcoms and I've never watched. I know the Bozanga thing and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I know it from afar, but I've never watched it. But I always felt that way. I was like, is this, this doesn't seem like it's for the geek culture. It feels like it's like making fun of it. Exactly. But yeah, that was, and one of the other topics that we talked about, you know, Marvel's got like 20 films scheduled over the next however many years. And and DC Comics, of course, is, is right. doing so much in that space too. Is there is there going to be too much? Is there going to be a burnout? Are we going to kill the good thing that we have going right now with, you know, geek culture being more mainstream? And my thoughts on that were Hollywood always tends to go in cycles. Once they see something works, they do it until they kill it. Yeah. And um, that's why, especially in um, kind of the the supernatural genre space, we have, um, I just feel like this is a great example. You have like vampires, werewolves, aliens, and then you go in a cycle again. And, yeah. and sometimes there's like witches and other stuff thrown in there. But it's yeah. like for how many years every every movie or TV show that came out was about vampires. Yep. And then we had a sprinkling of werewolves and then we had some witch stuff. And, you know, I'm still waiting for the alien part of the cycle to come back around. Like I, <laughs> right. I was like super stoked about the X-Files stuff. And now I'm like, well, where's the rest of my alien stuff? Right. Um, right. But and I feel it's kind of the same way with with comics like it's um you know with avengers coming out and we're going to have this kind of whole battle between captain america and iron man and of course you know this this week we have uh batman versus superman coming out and so it's there's such similar themes um between all of the films that are coming out and anything that one sees or, or one studio sees that the other one's doing they're trying to capitalize on that with their own properties right and it's just like with so much of it, um, I, I worry that we will burn out on it. But then I think if that does happen, then it will be a matter of five or ten years before someone makes a really great, you know, um, film in the superhero space again. And then it starts all over again. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, for me, I mean, the movie that was just a way of life and this this precedes you was uh, was the original Batman with Michael Keaton and everything. I was right. in, I think that came out in 1989, so I was in like sixth grade when that came what? out. How old do you think I am? Uh, you're, what are you, you're t- I think I'm six years ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I remember when that movie came out. Oh, okay. I didn't see it though, because I was, I was six. All right, yeah, see, I was, <laughs> I was at, I think I was in sixth grade, so we did have the sixes in common, but I, yeah. I just remember, because that, that movie just changed everything. All of a sudden, like you had Jack Nicholson in a comic book movie. 
you know? And, yeah. you know, it's, and ever since then, it's just kind of grown and grown. And then that, that version of that franchise just spun out of control <laughs> to uh, George yep. Clooney's Batman, which was an embarrassment for everybody. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was just, yeah. <laughs> so, and then, and then that was reset so masterfully. So it is interesting. It does go in cycles, but I just, as I said earlier, I just went binge watched the entire second season of Daredevil. And I did find myself wondering, like, gosh, you know, there's only so many vigilante stories you can tell before it starts to feel like, oh, I saw this, but that one was with Iron Man, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, you know, I feel like if you have a good and unique story, you're you're going to be okay. But if you start trying to, like, regurgitate someone else's story or, you know, take a plot and just kind of tweak it and, and make it slightly different and... It, everything's just so similar and the story has become so similar and you can't tell, oh, did that happen in a DC movie or was that in a Marvel right. movie? Right. And and when those those problems start happening, that's going to be when we have issues of, you know, uh, just just too much, too many films in that space. We just need to be more more creative and, and use this as really a stepping stone to maybe um, diving deeper into some of the more obscure comics. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, that was... You you know, not something I, I feel like that many people had heard of when it yeah. came out. And it was just so different and so refreshing and so good. So I hope that the studios, you know, will kind of, I mean, it's great to have your 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 Spider-Man and your Captain America and your Batman movies. But let's dive into some of the more obscure stories that are, it's something new and different. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, it is it is a, a field rich for mining but I, I, I go to a place sometimes where it's like there's only so many times that a city can be saved with an epic battle right. in the, at the end, you know. I, and, and there's only so many times when like a computer generated city is going to get exploded or blown yeah. up by some gigantic thing that came out of the sky. They, like the, the ending of Transformers 3 and the ending of the original Avengers, I get them swapped in my head all the time. Because if, if you, you could probably edit them in and wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And both of the, well, Transformers 3, ha ha But Avengers is, <laughs> is, is a good film, right? So, but yeah. when I was yeah. watching Avengers, I was like, this is totally reminding me of Transformers 3. See, I mean, I'm a fan of movies that are good. And sometimes there's something exactly. so refreshing about a movie that's small and intimate. And it's just a couple people talking, you know, that's exciting where the whole city isn't at risk. But 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 there's a character in the room that's got a big issue that's got to be resolved before they leave the room. Um, and honestly, really, maybe a crappy segue. I think that's something that uh, The Walking Dead did really good in this last episode is I was really drawn in by that. What's going to happen in this room? It was small, right. you know, and I think every once in a while, it's really nice to remember the human connection can really serve a story powerfully. No, I, I think so, too. And I think focusing on character, you know, and yeah. not so much on um, it, which is something that uh, I feel like, especially in TV shows, I'm not going to say I feel like Walking Dead's always done it really well, because I feel like Walking Dead has so many characters that it's difficult for you to really feel connected to all of them. Totally agree. <laughs> Uh, which is probably why we're going to kill off so many people in the next few episodes. Um, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming. Um, but spe- okay. So speaking of that, I have some theories. All right. For for how, for how the season's going to end here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll lay it on me. So my theory is that we're going to lose Daryl. 
Daryl is the big deal. Now, working with Atlanta Movie Chores, seriously, eight out of ten people who come and go on the tour, they all tell me their favorite character by far is Daryl. Yep. So, what? Wow. So I've got I've got a couple of um, a couple of things to to back up my theory. All right. Um, number one, if you look on IMBD at the cast that is listed for the final episode, um, we do see that we're gonna have a, a new character introduced. Um, that that <laughs> fan. I don't. I'm gonna try to be like not spoilerish here and just right. just talk about theories. Right. Okay. Um, but what's really interesting is that also listed in the cast for the finale is Emily Kenny and Michael Rooker. Ah, uh, yes. So that to me means some sort of flashback or some sort of something. I mean, that that's Daryl. That has to be Daryl related. Why else would you have both of those characters back? Yep. Yep. So, and we know that they're they're dead, dead. It's not like they're going to come back as zombies. So. <sighs> They are super dead. Well, that's, they are super dead. But what happens? I can't imagine the show without everybody's. Well, most everybody's favorite character. Yeah, and you know the entire cast um, for the most part has commented on how they felt like they were drawn into a black hole, or how they vomited, or how they showed up at set late the next day after getting this finale script. Like it really, really was hard on on so many people that read it, um, and I, I think. Uh, uh, Melissa McBride was the the last one that spoke out on it, but I know Andrew Lincoln had spoken out on it, and um, a few other of the cast members had said something about it too. So I just, to me, it's like we all know what happens in the comic books when a new character or this particular new character gets introduced, and I don't think that that's going to happen here because it just, um, I don't know, the setup just seems different. And then also Norman Reedus also has his own his own uh, reality show right. for the motorcycles. So, right. I mean, you could argue that he could do both at the same time, but it could also be AMC's way of being like, no, we still want you to be involved, even though you're not on our show anymore. Huh. Crazy so town. Well, say, well, that's my theory. So and is that is that your mainstream theory? You don't have any alternatives and no no possibility that like... Rick's gonna get it. <laughs> like I can't. No, I think uh, yeah. I think Rick will forever be safe. Gotcha. Um, I think he's the only character that will forever be safe. But I mean, you know, we're gonna be meeting so many more characters, right. and we already have so many characters that it's it's not only from a, a story point of view, or you want to be able to have these connections with these characters, and you just don't have enough screen time for everyone. Um, but also, like a budget. Uh, issue right like when you're paying so many people right. such a massive amount of money to to do each of these episodes right um you know and you want to continually shock and awe the audience so they feel like they'll never know what's coming um could the walking dead go on without andrew lincoln i think that's an interesting question i mean vampire diaries is certainly able to go on without you know nina dobray who who left the series last season um and i i believe a couple other characters or cast members might be in talks to, to also leave the season or series even though it just got picked up for for another season uh last right. week right but um and you look at like gray's anatomy hardly any of the the cast that was on that series when it started it's still there so maybe it can go on without no that's true you know. that's true it's it's fascinating I I think uh, it's I think it's very interesting. It's uh, it's just weird, I, and I'm just going from because here's like uh oh this would be very controversial. Daryl isn't even one of my 
most I'm not the most intrigued by Daryl. I think he's cool. Like I like whatever. He's cool. But if he went away, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, what do we do without Daryl? He just <laughs> like if, if you're really looking at it, honestly, he's kind of been sidekicky ever since um, ever since the story with his brother played out. Right, um, right, and he, and he's not actually in the comics. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's another great, great reason why you know we don't really know what's coming for him. Right. Ah, boy. Well, and there's only two episodes left, right? Yeah. April third is our finale. All right. So, so that's what's going on with The Walking Dead. Obviously, we don't know what's going on, but The Walking Dead, as it turns out, is filmed in Georgia, where it other is. things are also being filmed. So perhaps you could tell us what the hell's going on in this state. Everything. <laughs> okay. Well, that's easy. Goodbye, everybody. Easy. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, no, um, I'm going to have a massive roundup next week, but I have a little tease for this week. So Baby Driver uh, was filming a bank robbery scene with some gunfire and some shenanigans that were going on on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week. And that kind of messed up traffic a little bit. But um, that movie is uh, directed and written by Edgar Wright. Which means it's going to be good. Yes. Just saying. That's an excellent indicator if it's <laughs> going to be a good movie. Yes. Um, but John Berthal's in that. Lily James, Kevin Spacey. Um, so so many people are in that. Uh, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx, uh, Ansel Elgort. It's just a, a really amazing cast. So I can't wait to, to see that. It's uh, listed under American or action crime thriller. Ah. And to me, Baby Driver sounds like it should be like a comedy about a baby. And I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But yeah, maybe it maybe it's Blue Harvest and it's got a much more spectacular title. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're going to rename this. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, aside from that, what's all going on? Um, James Gunn is everywhere around the city. He's really fun to follow on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, he went to gun show with a bunch of cast and crew a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is a really amazing restaurant. If you haven't been to gun show, that tends to be the number one restaurant that uh people are seen at that celebrities love to visit and love to talk about. It's, it's a really, really good restaurant. So I highly recommend that. Um, Sylvester Stallone is in town and he's filming guardians of the galaxy as well. And Kevin Spacey actually um, has been out and about around town too. He was spotted on Saturday at children's healthcare of Atlanta and was um, just talking with people and taking photos and just, just spreading some love. So that was really cool to see. Nice. Um, and the only other thing I have to mention, I, I actually got the chance to visit Atlanta Metro Studios, which is the new studios being constructed in Union City. And if you drive, if you're driving down 85 and you pass the Union City exit on the right, you can see the massive monstrosity that that these studios it's just, are. It's just a small little building, isn't it? Just a, just a few small. feet by a few feet. Super, super small. Turns out it's actually the largest purpose built soundstage in North America. And they also have wow. the second, the second largest soundstage pur- uh, purpose soundstage built in America too. Um, so that's really, really cool. They're still working on getting everything paved and kind of everything. Um, Cause when I was there, it was still all gravel and dirt and, but the, the buildings are up, uh, but they're just kind of putting the finishing touches on it. So I think they're, they're going to be a, a pretty big, pretty big game player here pretty soon. It's a, a beautiful, massive facility that I, I got to tour all of the mill space and the office space and, and see the sound stages and, um, 
it's just super, super cool. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. Uh, I'm hoping to go back down there again soon and, and check out some some more of what it looks like when it's actually finished. Is there any idea of the first production that's going to jump in? Because I remember early on in Pinewood, they announced uh, Ant-Man. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think they wanted to tell me, so I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if they have something lined up or if they if they do, and then they're just not allowed, not allowed to say anything yet. Right. Um, but as soon as I find out, I will tell you. <laughs> I like it. I like to have somebody <laughs> on the inside. It's very handy. Yep. It is. It is very handy. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, aside from that, uh, we had Project Cosplay last Thursday, and it was amazing. And our next one is going to be on April 21st, and this one's going to be X-Men themed. So come out to Joystick Game Bar on Edgewood. Uh, get there around 830 so you can get a good seat on April 21st. And we're taking applications now for designers. So if you want to come out and showcase how big of a fan you are, of X-Men and design an outfit, please don't be intimidated by it. It is by no means a professional thing. People get up there that have no idea what they're doing. Um, that being said, we do have some actual cosplayers that have gotten up there and made some incredible things too. Um, so it's a little bit of both worlds and it's just so fun. No, and what, so what's, fun. Your, what's your, you've got the best tagline in the world for this event. And I want to lay out the red carpet so that you may reveal it with vigor. <laughs> What is it? It's not ratchet. It's rache. <laughs> is it that one? No, no. Um, uh, you, uh, it's a what is it? It's a shit show. No, no, no. It's um. Oh, you, you said I've said so many things about it. I'm just like it's oh, a hot mess, yes. but it's a fun hot mess. That's the one. That's the yes. one. Okay, I need to make note of that and put it on all of our stuff. I, I love that. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, we've we've had. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's just, it's a mess, but it's so much fun and people love it. It's just, it's one of those places that you can come out and be yourself and meet new people that share similar passions as you and just nerd out for a night. Like it's, it's really fun. Like even after we kind of wrap everything up with the event, we're usually done by 10, but everybody hangs out and drinks and talks and, you know, new friendships are made and it's, it's almost like a mini dragon con. Like it's just something that it's really fun to have to look forward to once a month where you can go and, and hang out with the, these types of, you know, fellow geeks that, that get it and love it. And it's just so much fun. It's a mini dragon con with arcade machines. Yes. You can't go wrong. You can't, you absolutely (laughs) cannot go wrong. So that sounds fantastic. So that's April 21st. That's April 21st. And the other thing we have for you guys to look forward to is I am seeing Batman versus Superman tomorrow night. So um, you guys should all be really excited for that. Oh, I heard they made that movie. I'm, I'm <laughs> rooting for it to not because I was a huge Zack Snyder fan. Like, I loved his remake of Dawn of the Dead. Loved it. I was mm-hmm. like, this guy's great. I was not quite on the 300 bandwagon everybody else was. And then uh, so I'm really hoping that this one lands for him because I was not a huge lover of his Superman movie. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm going into this super skeptical. So yeah. um, I'm really excited to see what they do with it. And there's just so much hype around it that it's going to be cool to finally to finally see it and see if it's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll have a review for, for you guys on the next show about uh, whether or not you should you should go see it or not. Nice. By then, though, probably most of the people listening will have already gone. 
This is true. Yeah. This is yeah. true. But uh, still, they'll know whether or <laughs> not they should have felt good about it after they hear it. So, so I look <laughs> exactly. forward to that. Well, awesome, Emma. As ever, it's it's wonderful to connect. Well, cool. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening to The Atlas. Again, I'm your host, Emma Loggins. And I am another host, Ja'Kai Mickelson. And we'll see you. <laughs> and I know how to that's finish beautiful. strong. I know how to finish strong. That's 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 my gift. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>